to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. If you're new here, episodes drop every Wednesday morning, and I'm Helen. I'm a meditation teacher, behavior change specialist, women's empowerment coach, and some other things, multi-hyphenate like we all are these days, right? And this podcast is really here to help us explore what it means to be human, what it means to be conscious at this time, and essentially how to get out of our monkey minds a bit during the day and closer to our hearts and our essence and what that really looks like, what that means for us uh, in action. So I want to just get right into today's episode. We have such a spectacular guest joining us today, someone I'm blessed to call a friend. And this was such a fun interview because we were just hanging out at the house in Topanga and decided to hop on a podcast chat together. So Kiwana Chasing Horse is here. And it's so interesting to recall my memory of her from day one. The first time I saw Kiwana in the public eye was when I was watching the coverage of the Met Gala. And all of my friends were just like sending back and forth, like, have you seen this like stunning angel on the carpet? Who is she? It's Kwana. Like just, it was such a monumental moment to see an indigenous woman represented on their red carpet at such a magnitude and so special. So it's really interesting how life happens. And then we just end up together doing a little podcast, right? And I really want to thank my dear friend Shumash for introducing us. Okay, so before Kuana was really in the modeling world, though, she is first and foremost an activist for indigenous people, for women, for the environment. And her indigenous ancestry is both Han Gwichin from Alaska and Canada and Oglala Lakota from South Dakota. A big focal point for her activism work was fighting to conserve Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, which is a 20 million acre ecosystem that continues to face endangerment due to fossil fuel extraction. She says, I grew up seeing my mom work so hard for her people. She taught me that there is no shame in speaking up. So in this episode, we talk a lot about Kiwana's sacred connection to the land, to earth, what it was like growing up in Alaska, living off the land, taking care of a community all together, growing up with sled dogs and learning how to hunt, everything that her mother taught her. And of course, we talk about her spiritual evolution and what it's been like navigating the entertainment industry and also what she would like to see changed in the educational system and just in the world in general. So enjoy this episode, you guys. While you're listening, you can find Kiwana on Instagram at kiwana.rose and I'm at Helen Denham underscore. Thank you so much for being here. I love you so much and I'll talk to you on the flip side. What helps you to stay in alignment as you're like starting your days? What keeps you feeling grounded and centered? Are there any like rituals or, or mindfulness techniques that you go to to really stay centered? Yeah, um, honestly, I try my best to get out like on the land a lot. So like, you know, I'm from Alaska. So um, moving from Alaska to, you know, big city has been like a drastic change. I'm used to like having the woods as like my backyard, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to just have full access. And like, I never truly understood my true connection to the land 
you know, and as an indigenous person, you're kind of like born with it. And some people are reconnecting and finding that and, um, you know, finding alignment in themselves. But my mom, she raised us out in the land as um, we grew up. And so, you know, dog mushing, like practicing traditional stuff, you know, hunting, fishing and stuff. So like that has just been a big part of my life, my entire life. So like not having that has been interesting you know adjusting and navigating this completely different world has been um not exactly difficult but challenging you know Mm -hmm. because I truly do feel like complete my complete self when I'm like aligned with like the land and the waters and um I kind of tap into like my um my intuition and just my spiritual self you know when I'm out there and it's not even like like I'm trying trying to do that sometimes it just happens and I literally go back you know feeling way better than I did before Mm -hmm. so anytime I get the chance to just go out on a hike you know um so I have my dog again and she's a puppy so she has so much energy all the time I try to take her out on hikes as much as possible Mm -hmm. um so yeah I live not too far from a really pretty hiking spot and I always go the other day came out to Malibu and Mm -hmm. went out some trails over there take her to the beach and stuff so just trying to keep myself busy too is really important because um I'm I'm not used to being alone either so right it's been interesting but just finding alignment by just reconnecting with whatever um you know nature is around me Mm -hmm. trying to find a balance when did you move here from alaska um so basically i started um new york fashion week in september and then i went to paris and then after that um i went to la and then i just kind of stayed there i stayed at a um a friend's place i guess for a little bit and then i got my own place at the beginning of this year so literally like i spent the holidays with my family in arizona and then literally as soon as I got back, I had a whole my own apartment. I had just bought a new car. Everything was new. Mm-hmm. It was a new year. It's literally it was such an interesting like time for me. It was my first time ever buying or having any car under my name and being able to like you know own that fully. And now I have my own place and I have my own puppy. Mm-hmm. I'm just enjoying all the things that I worked really hard for. Yeah. And you come from such an amazing background, like this amazing success that you've had starting, it was kind of started with the Met Gala, right? The beginning really started, I was doing a lot of advocacy in the beginning. So from when I was like 13 to still now to this day, but um, I started picking up a lot more, I started getting more involved within the movement, you know, indigenous sovereignty, climate justice, um, murder and missing indigenous women, girls, um, two-spirit, you know, LGBTQ and plus, just our whole community and trying to raise, raise awareness. And um, I just really started getting um, a little bit of a platform from that. And I wasn't really expecting that. It wasn't something I was doing for the follows. It was just me trying to do my part, you know. And I was raised by such, like, badass matriarch women. My mom, um, my aunties, they all have are all of them are a a part of the movement in one way or another. Um, So just learning from them and like watching them 
and their true power and like knowing you know um where they come from and who they are that was something they always repeated to me because that kept them strong you know and i always wondered like they've really faced a lot of challenging ass times like man i can't even begin to explain some of the things that they've had to go through even just within the movement you know um and they stay so strong and humble and um real and raw that's really hard to find when people are constantly beaten up and not like literally but you know like mm -hmm. you know spiritually and mentally it's it's you know hard sometimes and for them to con continue the way they do so gracefully still having so much compassion is mm -hmm. what really set an example for me um so it's been like you know honestly just an honor to be here because I wouldn't be anywhere without those teachings mm -hmm. and so like with my advocacy and you know really being strong in that um I started getting you know following and stuff and um the this casting director that was casting for a Calvin Klein campaign reached out to me via social media and she said um that she was casting for this campaign and that they were casting just like a bunch of like uh random like really cool different people like n not just like people that had already like tons of follows and like whatever just like genuine people and um just sharing their experiences and also like everyone was so different and lived in a different part of the world and had a different background and had different walks of life you know and seeing us come together and this campaign was around voting because my you know, like I said, my advocacy, I was doing a lot of get out the vote work, mm -hmm. you know, that was around the Biden and Trump election. And that was like very stressful. And um, so I was already doing a lot of get out the vote work and it kind of aligned up with, with what exactly I was doing at that time, you know, and that campaign would have come out like right before um, the election. Mm -hmm. And it was literally it wasn't like who to vote for or anything. It was just, you know recognizing the importance of voting and why it's important and why it was important to me and um so yeah after that campaign came out which was like no, obviously like october november of what 20 no 2019 or was I it i guess that was recent right mm -hmm. yeah i honestly man mm -hmm. um but since then yeah it was, i think it was 2020 right i don't know don't ask me what honey i don't even know yes well to follow up on that, what is the importance behind voting for you? Like, why do you feel like voting is so important? So honestly, it's so deep. Like, not a lot of people re realize that because everyone, everyone's like walks of life is so different. But for indigenous people, like native people here in the U.S. and even in other places, you know, um, all of us have went through some form of genocide you know and some form of trauma and you know whatever um but the government you know we had they had so many restrictions like everyone in this country had freedom of religion except for native americans we couldn't practice ceremonies we couldn't even pray we couldn't even burn sage we mm. were criminalized everything that we did practicing tattoos that's why i carry these tattoos so with so much pride because all of those things that were banned, that were taken away, that were almost completely erased, 
we now are able to fully embrace that and be all of what we are, you know, unapologetically. And even though it's still hard sometimes um, because the society is still changing, but it's we're starting to see more indigenous people rise and see more indigenous women, you know, with facial tattoos and seeing everyone kind of embracing that part of themselves. Um, it's still hard because there's a lot of um, a lot of people that don't want us to be what we truly are, you know, as, as indigenous people. And they want us to fit in the stereotypical box that society has created of indigenous people. And we just don't fit in there, we don't. Not, not all of us look the same, not all of us, you know, um, share the same experiences, it all may be similar, but every single one of us is different, you know, and um, back to importance of voting, you know, mm -hmm. how the, to tie that in is that we just genuinely didn't have all of those privileges. And a lot of people, some people say voting isn't a privilege, but for us it is because we never had that right. Not just what, one or two generations ago, like my great grandparents weren't allowed to vote. My grandma, I think, and her siblings were like the first to even be allowed to vote. And that was a later in their life, you know, mm -hmm. way later in their life. And um, just thinking about, you know, all of the things that my people still to this day go through, but back then, you know, it was obviously 10 times worse. I can't imagine that kind of like pain feeling like we weren't anything to people, you know, mm -hmm. like um, in Alaska uh, back in the day during the whole like civil rights movement, Alaska played a big part in that as well. A lot of people don't know that, but this um, and indigenous people specifically because we were going through a like like a horrible horrible amount of like racism you know just like in the lower 48 we were experiencing that but with native people in alaska and there were signs at restaurants at stores all everywhere that said no dogs and no natives oh my god yeah and so like we we weren't even allowed to like go anywhere we weren't and welcomed this is anywhere. you experienced this not this is, me personally yeah. but this was like back way back you know during the whole civil rights so that's why alaska played like a big part of that movement mm. And um, so just like thinking about, you know, us, we were seen as like less than dogs, you know, just what a few generations ago. And for us to be this far and for me to be in an industry that wasn't made for people like me, you know, um, but seeing me like honestly thriving in this industry and um, being able to break those barriers and like break down that stereotypical box that we don't belong in, you know, mm -hmm. so that and like those stereotypes and those um, harmful, you know, um, I don't even know the right word, but everything that people, you know, when you think Native American, there's so many different things that pop up in your head. And for some people, it's horrible things, you know, and for some people, they might just be genuinely curious and they just don't know because even in history and school they don't teach us anything mm -hmm. you know and that's a, another reason why a lot of people don't know but i i didn't even graduate high school i chose not to the only class i needed was u.s history and i asked um someone that was well my history teacher but i was also in a different um school course because i was in and out of the city and back at fish camp where my family lives 
um, on the Yukon River in Alaska, like way far out there. So I was kind of back and forth. And so I was a part of the school program that I was like keeping up with. And I told them, you know, I want to do it U.S. history, but can I recreate, help you recreate a curriculum or actually learn the true U.S. history? Because you know that this stuff in this the books isn't true. And I think if we want to talk about U.S. history, you also need to include the Native American genocide and not just two sentences of, oh, Native Americans were here when Columbus showed up and they tried to help, but we learned skills and blah, blah, blah. Like, they don't really tell us anything. Like, I remember going through it and just being like, really? Like, this isn't, you mm-hmm. know, like, this is not what I want to learn. Like, I know more U.S. history than it was being taught in these books, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I couldn't, I didn't want to go through that. Like, I already went through, you know, like, elementary school being completely, like, the school system the curriculums are completely whitewashed and i would go home being like oh mom i learned about columbus and you know we talked about thanksgiving and this and that and then she would have to carry this burden of constantly having to break you know break the freaking ice and tell us the truth you know and it broke our hearts because as being little kids you know we want to trust our teachers and we want to trust the people that we're learning from because you know, we don't want to go home just to learn that we were being taught something wrong in school. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so that was like a big thing for me. I just didn't want to go through that again. I didn't want to like have to deal with like relearning the trauma that my people went through just for us to be ignored completely in the school books, ignored completely in history. And like every part of our genocides, every part of every indigenous tribe all over has gone through this where, you know, um, and still to this day, there's a lot of issues going on in various communities all over that are just being downplayed and overlooked. Mm-hmm. And that's just what constantly happens. And like, I just didn't want to be a part of that like school system. And I feel like it's really important for some kids to recognize that like it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to question <laughs> everything, especially what you're learning in school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's when you realize that you you are learning you want to learn more you're you're on the right path you know what i mean and you know i was always told like no you know they they actually told me like no we have to just do this curriculum like i'm sorry i was like well that's dumb because like i could learn so much more you could learn more you know what i mean like it could be like a really cool thing it could start so i just wanted i just wanted them to like help me out you know and i did not want to like go through u.s history i really did not want to do that so you said you know what how about i just not do it i did everything i needed you know yeah in high school everything else i just refused to take this class what do you wish was in the history books like what what do you want people to understand about your people i want people to understand that everything is so whitewashed and so romanticized and fantasized with native americans that people don't even realize that we still friggin' exist I've literally had experiences tell me at like on set or just in my day-to-day life, people ask, are you Native American? And I'm like, yeah. And they say, oh, I've never met a Native American before. I've never seen one in real life. Mm. Like I've had that multiple times and people may not believe me, but that's actually true. I'm sure many Native American people can relate to that people genuinely think that we're not there anymore. Like that, you know, that the genocide played out and we're just not there anymore. 
Because there's been like this form of erasure in society. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's another big thing is that, you know, with these conversations like climate change, our people have been talking about this for generations. Mm -hmm. We've noticed the changes in the land for generations. We've been the people at the forefront, at the front lines, doing the work um, and honestly risking their lives in some of these situations, defending the land, protecting what they're, you know, like closest to which is the land you know and who they are because that's like that connection to the land like i was talking about earlier and how i grew up like it's not something you can explain Mm -hmm. it's not something you can try to like tell people or show people Mm -hmm. it's a like just a true deep feeling in your heart Mm -hmm. and it's almost feels like a responsibility and i feel like like i said a lot of indigenous people can relate that this you know people radicalize us too but really we're just trying to protect what we have left and we've already lost so much we've lost history we've lost cultures traditions ceremonies we've lost we've lost languages we've lost whole tribes we've lost so much we've got we've lost millions of people throughout the but we're still here Mm -hmm. and that's something that like i always tell people too is that like just me being alive right now is a form of resistance and having you know these bloodline this my bloodlines coursing through my body alive and you know like that's something that i'm so proud of and that's another reason why like you know these tattoos are like so important to me because they were so demonized and still to this day they're still demonized i get a lot of like dumb comments um, about them, you know, just ignorant, uneducated people and that don't want to take the time to actually understand and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's those people you, you could tell that want to learn, that want to like understand it and that genuinely are curious and like have respect, you know, but there's those people that you just, I just honestly started protecting my spirit and my heart and my mind and so much more now these days because I'm around so many people, so many not genuine people sometimes and that means you know sometimes you don't even have to answer yep you know protecting that because sometimes those people just want to get something out of you you know and um because they know if you say something if they say something ignorant and rude or um in a in a way that is almost offensive or insulting they want that reaction out of you to make you look bad or you Mm. know and so like i I've I've been learning, you know, I'm still very new to everything. I'm learning and I'm growing every day and I've definitely I don't exactly regret some things, but it's I do wish there were some things like on social media that I just would have ignored, you know. Yeah. Cuz there was a lot like then further on, you know, after that Calvin Klein campaign came out, my my modeling career took off. Um I signed to IMG Models like instantly, really fast and um my first shoot was V Magazine cover, the Chanel book, a Vogue Mexico cover, and an editorial, and then like just more after that. And it just, I was never, ever, ever expecting this to come out of anything. And I've wanted to be a model since I was three years old. <laughs> I know your photos of you <laughs> as a kid, like you have always wanted to do this. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like, being in these spaces you know and like having people trying to tell you like oh i've never i've never met or seen a native american before and you know like right 
honestly just i'm constantly educating in these spaces too like and it's not my job to do that but it's just something like i said i feel like it's always a responsibility because then when i go into these spaces i feel like i'm constantly breaking those stereotypes and barriers every single shoe every single thing i do in these spaces you know people are recognizing oh like she they she is not like the native that i picture in my head you know Mm -hmm. and then you realize none of us are that picture that they paint in their head of us yeah or we don't fit in that box that they created for us they Mm -hmm. try to shove us in there and we're like we just don't fit we don't fit. You have so much wisdom, Kiwana. It's absolutely amazing the grace like that you've moved through this industry with. Can you tell us about your tattoos and what they mean to you and what they symbolize? Yeah. Um, so the chin tattoos um, are usually signify um, different uh, different stages in life. Um, what's the word different stages and milestones Mm -hmm. so each milestone you meet in life um the first one which is the first line the first line down the chin um resembles um womanhood so when a girl becomes a woman when she gets her first period you know um her first moon she is now having to learn the responsibilities of a woman so she's you know the all the women in the community come together and they teach her and they while she's you know during that time because women are very powerful during that time we have some carry so much energy and we hold so much and we are givers of life and we are like this um we are literally this portal of life you know Mm. and we create and um so you know teaching that and being in that space with the young girl that is turning into this woman, teaching her her responsibilities, how to take care of herself, how to, um, you know, be family oriented, community oriented. Because when you're a kid, you just want to play. You want to think about yourself. I want this. I want that. Mom, I'm hungry. Whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And transitioning to a woman and learning those responsibilities and, you know, having all the beautiful, powerful women coming together, teaching you those things. It's a big, big you know milestone um and so that's that's the first line you know mm-hmm. womanhood entering womanhood um just being able to give life you know having that ability to give life um and mm-hmm. then the second would be like two halves because it would equal one um which i have and for everyone it's different so not every indigenous woman's tattoos are gonna look the same it, every single one is personalized to their story. So whatever milestone that they meet in life that they think that they truly resonate with, they will get it, you know, and however they want that feels genuine to them and to their experience and to that milestone that they have met. It could be dots. It could be a line. It could be little stitches. It could be anything, you know, but it's personalized to your story. And um, so like my mom's, hers is different than mine. And so the for me the half line or the second line the half line is the second line um you know usually the second line would mean like a marriage or a form of love or mm-hmm. knowing what it's like to be in love um and I went through this honestly toxic relationship from 
grade eight to a little after my senior year in high school. And, you know, I didn't graduate, but I went up until senior year and I just didn't take that one class. And I was like, whatever, I'm done. Like, I did everything I needed to do. Mm-hmm. This is whatever. I don't have to do this. Um, but after that, you know, I was just, I couldn't be in this relationship anymore. And I didn't get the tattoo to signify that I loved him. Because, you know, even though I truly did love this boy and I cared about him so much and he was a big part of my life for four years almost four and a half years or almost even five um i had to relearn how to love myself you know when you're in toxic relationships codependent relationships you forget to take care of yourself because you're so focused on trying to keep this person happy trying to make sure that they're good and they're taken care of and then you get into this cycle of like forgetting your needs and your wants and the things that um, make you happy because you're trying to constantly make this other person happy. And um, I was really in that like dark place for a long time because like I, I completely forgot how to love myself. I completely forgot how to like take care of myself. I was like so depressed. I was not doing good. And when I finally was able to you know, find self-love again and take care of myself and appreciate my body, my mind and my spirit and being one with myself, being patient, you know, because the healing journey, it's it's different process for everyone. And it's everyone's healing journey is going to look different and the road is going to be bumpy here and there, you know, and that was like the start of my process was being able to find that self-love and, um, So, you know, for me, it is a form of love, you know, because I did love this boy, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want it to signify this love that I had for this boy because it wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And I wanted just to signify something that felt right for me. And that was finding my self-love again and create, uh, not creating, but, you know, reshaping and, um, reshaping and just reclaiming my relationship with myself mm-hmm. and that was like a big step for me to take what was, did that look like for you like what did your healing process look like where you started to fall in love with yourself and started to get to know yourself more deeply was there like a turning point of some kind that happened for you um there wasn't exactly a turning point it was definitely like sometimes I still struggle with it you know but that moment I just remember um just sitting there and really just unhappy with myself and um kind of just what I was putting myself through because at the end of the day I could have left at any point you know Mm -hmm. but I was so stuck and I felt so so alone all the time you know and I didn't know exactly what to do and I just always like fell back into that cycle of codependency and Um, I didn't know anything else, too, because every relationship that I have seen growing up has been that way. Mm -hmm. So once you you see something growing up, do you think, you know what I mean? It's it's that cycle. Um, So me being able to break that cycle and like was really important, but it took a long time. And even like my relationships after that one, it was still codependent. And that's another reason why I kept having to. I kept catching myself in these codependent relationships and I would have to remove myself because I could not fall back into that cycle because I would lose that self-love that I fought so hard for that I 
worked so hard for that I, you know, took time and patience and I started my healing journey and I was really trying to like focus on what I needed um, for myself. Not like nothing was ever materialistic for me either. I just needed, you know, um, I just needed comfort and clarity and everything that you really need basically need in relationship i wasn't really receiving any of that and so i was giving so much you know and it burnt me out and i think i think the moment was just kind of me sitting in my room and um i had a dream um about this elder she'd visited me in my dream and she said I needed to start my healing journey and I needed to be patient with myself mm. and so on and which goes into my eye tattoos and that's a whole nother super long very personal story but um, one day I'll share the full deeper meaning of it once I get them fully done because um, my eye tattoos is a whole journey it actually signifies basically my whole healing journey and my process the three dots are the seeds mm. the lines is me watering the seeds Beautiful. and then as i meet every single milestone that i need to meet to earn these tattoos i will add these arrows so that where every dot is will be an arrow mm-hmm. and when it's done it'll look like a tree oh my goodness so beautiful there's so much about your culture and your story that I think like everybody can gain insight from in a way and just and remember who we really are as organic beings, as spiritual beings, because even talking about coming into womanhood and your tattoo in the middle signifying womanhood, like, you know, I grew up in in a world where it was like hush hush it was like we don't talk about menstruation it's very like private like mm -hmm. just figure it out like and and what a beautiful blessing it is to have a culture and a people that encourages like honoring yourself as a woman and stepping into that so what other kinds of wisdom did your did your mother did your grandmother offer you that you still carry with you really strongly is there anything that comes to mind like wisdom that you keep with you from them Oh man, there's there's a lot, honestly. Um, it's hard to just think of one, right? But you know, I I repeated this earlier, and I will. This is like something that I always, always, always repeat to myself. I will never forget this ever. Um, is always remember who you are or where you come from, or never forget who you are and where you come from, mm -hmm. because you know there were moments where. I did feel ashamed of who I was and where I came from because there were moments where I had been bullied from people that made me feel ashamed to be Native, mm -hmm. you know, that made me feel ashamed to be from the woods because, you know, before I, I lived in the city, I was I was in the woods living in a log cabin and um, every day we'd have to build a fire to keep the house warm and we would chop around wood and my brothers would chop, I would stack the wood and we had a dog team and that was like, one of our big ways of transportation in the wintertime, because when it would get too cold, our car would freeze up and it wouldn't start. And so my mom would drop us off at school by dog team, you know, <laughs> in the sled. And that was like my way of life. That was how I was raised. And that's why I'm so connected to who I am and hunting and fishing for food and having a garden for fresh, you know, fresh food. And because we didn't even really have access to like a grocery store. So we had to like live off the land, you know, and 
we loved it. It was the big foundation of who I am today. And um, moving into the city was almost like culture shock in a way because I came into the city and everyone looked at me different because one, I did not even look like I came from the city. I had like almost like boyish clothes here and there because when I when we moved to the city, my mom tried to get us clothes that made us feel more like city kids. So she would bring us to the mall and let us like choose like a good two or three outfits, you know? And um, so that we had like options, you know, so we didn't look too like res or too village, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but we did compared to everyone. We still did. And girls would make fun of my clothes girls would be like, oh, you have such long hair, in a, but in a weird way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I got made fun of for the bump on my nose. Um, yeah, just, and some kids just made fun of, like, like my family, just because, like, we're not from the city, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, when I first got my tattoo, I was 14. I was the first girl in my tribe to receive a facial traditional tattoo in over a century mm. at that age. Wow. Um, so that was like a big part of, you know, stepping into that role, feeling that responsibility to be someone that can encourage, you know, change. And that was like, you know, that saying, never forget who you are and where you come from. And that's a big part of the tattoos too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it is a big part of who I am and where I come from. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's important to always remember that because I think that some people forget that um, we still, no matter how much trauma, generational trauma, personal trauma, you know, the, um, the injustices that we face, the um, environmental racism, the freaking... All these epidemics, you know, within the Native community, even, you know, BIPOC communities, um, that we, all those things that we face, man, it's so interconnected. And, you know, we get so lost in that because it's, it's so um, common and it's so hard to, like, overcome some of these things, you know, and um, the society wasn't built for us, this world here in the u.s and even elsewhere it was it's not built for indigenous people to succeed Mm. you know um something that i always think of is you know this country was built off the back of slaves on stolen land damn yep and so like that is a big reminder you know and for me like i always think you know like i said earlier we were my people are not even supposed to be here right now because of the countless genocides that we have gone through you know we lost like i said millions of people we've lost traditions cultures ceremonies teachings um languages and so on we've lost so much but we're still here Mm -hmm. so that's why you can't ever forget who you are and where you come from and um yeah that's basically i love that you like bring that to life and correct me if i'm wrong but it's it's in your contract right so that they can't remove tattoos mm-hmm. yeah. you know and afterwards like the big thing i love too, that you do that mm-hmm. yeah that's like my favorite thing about um img is that they have been so graceful with with me and like really accepting me and when i signed with them they said you know you can 
definitely change up a few things if you want. We can negotiate this contract. And so we didn't change too much. But one thing that I definitely wanted to be very clear and I wanted it to be in my contract so that if anything ever happened, like it's in my contract, you know, mm-hmm. like it's there. Like I, you guys can't, um, was that they can't cut or dye or bleach my hair, my natural hair. I can wear a wig, but they will not touch my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and they cannot cover up my tattoos. Mm-hmm. What does your hair mean to you? Do you plan to just keep growing it out? Like, oh. what does your hair mean to you? So, and... You know, many cultures all over Turtle Island, um, growing out our hair long is very sacred to us because it carries so much wisdom. And um, so each, when you braid your hair, there's three strands and each one symbolizes something different. And that's why, you know, and actually in many cultures as well, um, especially for females and males, it's very different, but for males, your wife or your mom or your one of your family like intermediate family is only allowed to braid your hair and no one else can Mm. um and it's like that for everyone um even the women like only certain people can braid your hair and it's because you're protecting all that is you your hair um symbolizes so much and each strand of the braid is um body mind and spirit Mm. and so when you're braiding you have to always have good energy and good intention because you're connected to all of those things and you have to handle with care. And so when you're braiding, it's a very sacred thing. You're connecting yourself to this person. And um, uh, yeah, our hair is a big part of our culture. And mm-hmm. um, when we cut it, it means that we're shutting off, you know, we're grieving or we're shutting off a layer of pain um, because you know we carry so much so much strength and so much wisdom and um the wisdom of our ancestors comes through our hair Mm -hmm. and so that's a big part of our culture um and you know for me too i always um think of you know my my ancestors and like how long their hair was and how they took care of it and themselves and we had so many so many different um things that i feel like people don't even realize we had very much a lot of like weird not like a literal technology but you know basically you know for back in the day um we knew the herbs so well like we had our own form of like abortion Mm. through herbs we Mm -hmm. had our own like we practiced all of those things and it was never looked down upon um it's life you know yeah um and creator gave us these plants creator blessed us with everything that we needed to survive and that's a big thing too that i was taught we were never indigenous people are never taught to see ourselves above anything else Mm -hmm. especially especially the natural world you know um i get a lot of backlash from the vegan community and Mm -hmm. you know i have nothing but love for them you know do you i could you know i'm happy for you um but you know it's really interesting because um someone told me an elder and a friend of mine told me um you know a lot of those people just um they're just confused because they don't have a relationship to their food 
Yeah. It's a real thing. And I didn't really realize it until he they explained it. They said, um, you know, everyone has a different relationship to food. And that's why there's also eating disorders, you know? Um, everyone's relationship with food is different. Um, and, but in today's world, people can just go to the grocery store and just buy everything that they need, you know, to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just so easily accessible, but for us, you know, also growing up, we had to hunt our food. We had to provide for ourselves. We didn't have access to stuff like that. We didn't have that luxury. We had grew our own plants. We had a garden. You know, we had carrots, peas, cabbage, celery. We had everything, you know, and I loved it. And we had a dog team for transportation when we needed. We had um, my mom who took us hunting. So we provided for ourselves completely, which created this relationship and I had now this utmost respect the most respect you know mm -hmm. because once you have that relationship to the food in a sense that you're not exactly seeing it as just food that you just eat it and you whatever you know right um we recognize that this is a whole being and we live you know we're a part of the food chain we're a part of the natural world we're equal as one like that's how we see it and we could not see it any other way because back in the day you know we always thanked everything for providing for us mm -hmm. you know and every single time we go hunting we always thank the animal for sacrificing itself for um not literally sacrificing itself but you know what i mean for yeah. you know giving its life for us to be able to survive and um and none of it goes to waste that's a big thing because when you go into stores you know you get these little packaged meats or whatever plant-based whatever you know people don't even realize that you know someone else does the killing for you you have no relationship to that which means you don't have respect for it mm -hmm. and people that do you know, that recognize that these beings are beings sometimes go a bit too far and try to tell people, you know, how could you? You're a murderer, blah, blah, blah. That's not, that's not how we see it. We're a part of the food chain. We're not above these animals and beings. We're part of them. We're with them. Mm. And when, we're, when we live out there, we're just as a part of nature as them, which meaning they could kill us too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. you know yeah so we're just as a part of nature as they are it know? reminds me of like just thinking about our consumption of meat in general and the way that we're eating and consuming as a society in general the mo most of the meat that we're eating these, these animals are living in stress their entire lives in these cages and they're emitting stress hormones mm -hmm. and then we eat that meat and we're eating this stress hormone and i really think that has a lot to do with our biology and disease mm -hmm. and we can literally taste the difference between an egg that's grown in a cage and a, a free-range chicken egg mm -hmm. like you can see the difference in the yolk mm -hmm. everything so they're I think there's absolutely so much beauty and truth and like, you know, sacrificing an animal that's grown up in its natural habitat, like living off the land as it's supposed to and dying like a natural death as part of the natural food chain. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that there's, it's a, such a good point that veganism, even though it might not be intentional for a lot of people does come from a place of privilege because mm -hmm. 
it's not connected to the indigenous wisdom and just the wisdom of humanity that we are not separate from nature and that's why it's interesting to live in cities right it's like we become we get put into this interesting matrix that's just not supportive of of who we are on an organic level yep, exactly. yeah exactly and you know i have nothing but love for anyone that's vegan. like honestly a lot of respect too because that's a lot of discipline mm-hmm. and it's hard but you know it's also like you can't just tell indigenous people you can't eat meat because right sometimes we don't have a freaking option we have we don't have a store to go to we don't have that luxury that privilege mm-hmm. and it's a lot of freaking money in alaska a lot of these rural communities in alaska one don't have access to grocery stores and like right now give you an example my mom lives in Stevens Village, Alaska, and the only way to get there is in the summertime by boat on the Yukon River. You go up river on the boat on the Yukon River, which is a big river, <laughs> dangerous too sometimes, a um, couple hours, and then, or you fly on a small bush plane to get there. And to get supplies, you have to haul supplies back and forth, which costs a lot of gas for the boat. And it's everything is freaking expensive. Mm-hmm. And um, even trying to ship stuff there, you know, if you can't get transportation in the wintertime, you take snow machine or snow go from, you know, on the river to get back and forth. But that's, like I said, a lot of money, a lot of gas. Like it's cold. It's right now negative negative probably 30s 20s it, it's been warming up but literally like the other day to like i think it was like last week my mom texted me on her freaking satellite phone saying it's negative 60 and they cannot do anything they can't it's too cold oh to do God. anything whoa and so you know we don't we don't have the privilege to just like go to a store like we're literally at that point just trying to freaking survive literally survive how is the mental health playing out in your communities like do you see like a mental health crisis happening oh yeah it's been happening forever um alaska has one of i think i think it has the highest rates of suicide and depression Mm -hmm. in our country um because we experience this weird flux of sunlight you know in the wintertime and summertime so in summertime we get like 24 hours of sun in wintertime we only get like three hours of sun sometimes so and you know back when school was always open before like covid we would go to school in the dark and then we'd leave school in the dark so we would get wow. like no sunlight yeah no vitamin d everyone gets seasonal depression really bad the rates of suicide go sky high um no, I've unfortunately lost a lot of friends and family to suicide. Um, it's a really hard thing, honestly, in Alaska. And I myself and my family have experienced um, a great level of depression and, you know, mm-hmm. just a lot of pain. And, um, yeah, it's definitely... it. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really friggin' hard. And living out there it's definitely a way of life and you do have to have a certain amount of mental toughness and even physical toughness to be able to handle the work the labor you know 
You have yeah. to haul your own water, haul your own wood, chop your own wood, freaking keep everything going, like hunt for your food. Like they're constantly, like my family, because they all live out there. You know, they live at fish camp or in the village. And that village is like less of 20 people, less than 20 people. Wow. Very, very small and very, very rural. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I am in LA. Yeah. And my family's back in Alaska living that way. And sometimes, you know, I, and lately I've been extremely homesick um, because of fashion week in September. I missed hunting season. That was my first time missing hunting season. Mm-hmm. And I literally, like not too long ago, just cried. I'm like grieving because I'm mm-hmm. feeling disconnected from who I am, my home, and like hunting it's not even that i like i'm bloodthirsty i'm gonna kill something that's definitely not it but it's definitely more of like having that connection and relationship and um providing when i got the last caribou that i got was with my mom and i took my best friend for the first time we're trying to get more women to go out with us because me and my mom are one of the only female hunters in alaska um we've been trying to get more of our friends to go out with us and so I took my best friend out and I got a caribou and that was like uh, I think it was definitely winter December of 2020 and that was like you know COVID was still pretty bad then and you know all the native communities in Alaska were shut down and no one could like really go hunting or do anything it was so bad um, that I, we, my whole family, we ran out of meat too. So we honestly went out there to get meat for our family. But I was like, mom, like, I just can't stop thinking about, you know, the elders that need it way more than we do. And so we just went home and processed the meat and gave out the meat to all the elders that needed meat. And we had no meat for ourselves, but Mm -hmm. it was the most rewarding feeling knowing that, you know, like, I'm just providing and doing what I was meant to do you know Mm. for my people and like doing my part in that way um and the best part is just seeing the elders faces when you walk in with meat fresh (laughs) meat that you just cut for them you know that day you just come back from a hunt a successful hunt and you bring them meat and they are the happiest like this one um one grandma just started crying because we gave her the caribou head and that was her favorite part. Because, wow. you know, like I said, we don't waste anything. And it's, a lot of people are like, you eat the brains? It's not the brains. The, the meat in the face, <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. very tender. It's good meat. And we don't waste anything. So, you know, we use the bones, everything. So she was so happy and so grateful. We walked in and I was carrying the head and she looked at me and, oh my gosh, give me the biggest hug and kiss on the cheek and just cry. Thank you. Mm, it's just ma- This makes me just emotional because I think, especially like I, I have such a history in New York and now kind of being in LA and I think they're almost like cities of lost souls in a way because a lot of people are leaving their families to come here and kind of chase a dream. And I think this is what a lot of us are missing, period, is like a reverence and an honoring of our family and our elders and the land and community and supporting Mm -hmm. one another. Mm -hmm. And there's this rugged individualism that takes place in so many of us now and just trying to kind of brand ourselves in different ways. But I think there's just, I'm so grateful for you sharing your story and and your beautiful family story because it just reminds us of like 
tapping back into that feeling of community that we are not alone and that mm-hmm. to remember where we come from and to support one another and to dream in a way that supports not just us as the individual, but all of us across the line. So, One yeah. thing my mom says, um, which is very true within in like Native communities all over, is um, it takes a whole a whole tribe to raise one. And she says that meaning, you know, she has a bunch of kids, but it wasn't just her that helped raise us. Mm-hmm. It was our whole community, all the matriarchs, all my aunties, my uncles, my cousins, you know, all, we raised each other. We're all here together. It's a family community thing, mm-hmm. you know, so it takes a whole tribe to raise one. And all of those people, you know, mm-hmm. are each, each person, each thing, each experience you know it's like i'm like a whole collage and each person and each experience that i have puts like a little one like a mark puts their mark on me you know so i'm like a combination of everything mm-hmm. and it's weird because it's something that i always talk about too is like i walk in two different worlds two completely different worlds i'm in this high fashion fast-paced demanding world yeah you know with my job and stuff but i love it it's I love my job, you know, I'm not complaining, but I'm also, I'm from this completely different world that's, like, not anything like that. Right. You know? So I'm, like, in two completely different worlds trying to keep a balance, trying to find that balance, and they think that's, you know, a big thing, too. I recently just got this new tattoo on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. You know, that saying is actually kind of why I got this tattoo is it was reminding me, you know, it took a whole community to raise me, my aunties, my mom, my uncles, everyone. Um, And I'm so thankful because all of that got me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm homesick, this is kind of like an honorarium of like being raised by my community, but also trying to reclaim a part of my Lakota, you know, ancestry because you know i honestly was more raised in my alaska native side Mm -hmm. even though i'm also lakota and so i'm trying to rebuild that relationship but recognize that it did take a whole community to raise me so this tattoo is also Mm -hmm. a traditional stick and poke tattoo and it's Mm -hmm. all these little teepees right here oh that's what they are and then it's turned into a sun yeah so the middle ones are teepees i love that and then turn into a sun the lakota sun Mm. Is that a traditional Lakota symbol? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much. What do you hope for yourself? Like, what's your vision for your for yourself over the next few years and your people? Honestly, I just want to continue working. You know, just so I can support myself and my community. So, I recently did um a shoot for this campaign i'm not gonna say because i'm not supposed to (laughs) but i did this shoot and it's an honor to be able to do these things and to continue my advocacy in the modeling space because it's not very common you know Mm -hmm. um to do both um but to be able to be one of those people that is doing both you know is like an honor and to be able to carry my advocacy into the modeling space is a big thing um big time for i me. mean can i mention what you were telling me earlier like that you were able to say hey if you can pay me this much for this campaign you can also afford yeah. to donate to this native you know campaign so that's like, it yeah that's exactly what i was gonna get to yeah, yeah it was amazing that you know i'm now creating relationships with brands that actually do want to do the work and do their part and support 
me and not just me but my community and the indigenous community in general you know um and so yeah basically they were like oh we're willing to pay you this much and i was like oh well if you're willing to pay that much i'm sure you have enough to donate you know and me too i was like i'm even willing to like donate some of my pay to for this to be able to go somewhere that you know because like i i also don't want to be someone that just like does everything for the money and then stops doing everything because i'm doing this or that you know mm-hmm. i want to honor my people and represent them in the right way i want to support them i want to bring them up with me because i wouldn't be here without that you know i was able to get them to donate a quite a bit of money a to a good chunk to a native nonprofit organization that not only um help support fund and encourage projects and all kinds of campaigns land back all kinds of amazing things not only on turtle island but with indigenous communities all over the world Mm -hmm. and so to be able to you know do that and also do my job in a sense where i can do both and support my people but also do what I love but incorporate what I'm truly passionate about which is my advocacy it's an honor I would have never thought that that's this is where you know my path would take me it's just an incredible infusion like that you have been doing this advocacy work since you were like 13 right and then you get to fuse it in so so gracefully into your into your entertainment modeling work so for, for those of us who are still getting to know the indigenous community, like what are a couple things that we should really be paying attention to? Like land back, missing and mur- murdered indigenous women. Like what are some things we should really be aware of? Um, yeah, so of course, just kind of keep your eye open on what's going on in the fossil fuel industry. So, you know, um, there's a lot of different movements going on and each I feel like every region is kind of fighting something different but of course you know our one of our biggest threats is these pipelines um they're always always trying to of course build and that's why environmental racism is a thing um they're always trying to build on sacred lands of native people knowing you know knowing that and breaking treaties mm-hmm. um not honoring those treaties, you know, the land is already stolen. This whole country is already freaking stolen. You're trying to take more. Yep. We lost so much already. Like, what more do you want? You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Sorry, I just get so into it. But definitely 100%. the fossil fuel industry because there's still line three, line five, Arctic refuge. It's kind of on pause, but in the air right now. Um. There's many other projects too. But definitely fossil fuel industry because it's a big contributor to climate change. But definitely keep your eye out on what's going on in the, um, out in the world regarding climate change because each region, like I said, is dealing with it in a different way. Um, and like I've said before, we are constantly the first ones to be having these conversations, yet we're never included at the tables where these decisions in higher positions are being made you know like i feel like indigenous voices are always being so pushed out in a way when these conversations you know should be included you know well indigenous people should be included in these conversations because we have been the people that 
not only noticing these things right off the bat, we're always the ones that are most vocal about it. And um, it is a known fact that indigenous people protect 80% of the world's biodiversity. Mm. So, and ecosystems, Yeah. you know? So that's that in, in itself explains it, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, we are the least to contribute to any of these things, but yet we are the most to be affected by it. It's insane. It's insane. So, and which also ties into, not only does the fossil fuel tie into climate change, but it ties into murdered and missing indigenous women and people in general. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these man camps that are made for the fossil fuel industry at these um, oil fields, at these camps, they're man camps. And they're always, like I said, these pipelines are always built in sacred lands of native communities which are surrounded by native communities so these native women that live in these communities are at high risk and a lot of them end up being stolen and sold you know trafficking it's terrible Mm. it's Mm -hmm. so there's a lot i feel like um a lot of different things It's so literal though it's such a it's like a lived experience and i think that's such an important point that you bring up that like why aren't your people at the table? Like these, exactly. these indigenous communities are the ones living it and receiving the kickback from environmental change. It's just absurd that like you guys, you guys also know the answer because mm-hmm. you've been tending to the land and you've had held this deep connection all this time. Like you guys know how to fix it. It's yeah. like, what is going That's on? why. That's why I'm like, how, like we need more indigenous voices at yes. these, at these tables, you know, right. where these conversations are being made in the, um, mm-hmm are being talked about or how do I phrase that indigenous people yeah Yeah. indigenous people need to be at the tables where these decisions are being negotiated and talked about because I feel like we carry so much wisdom and knowledge yes that is so overlooked all the time you know and it's just you know it's time yep and I think you know I'm starting I think everyone is starting to see indigenous people kind of rise up and and um, all over the media because, you know, I think I think we're just at a point where we're tired. We're doing our best and we're still here. Yes. For crying out loud. Like, it's crazy that we're still here, you know? But I'm, I think we're all just tired of living in pain and fear. We're trying to turn that pain into power. We're trying to embrace all that is us and do it unapologetically because we could never do that before. You know, beautifully said, beautifully said. Okay, are there any like documentaries, books that you love, anything that you want to shout out? Like, just saw a great film, Public Trust, it's free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's a great resource. Are there any things that are coming to mind? Um, honestly, oh, um, The Eagle and the Condor is a great documentary film. It's about honestly the whole thing that's going on with the pipelines and. I can't even exactly explain. It's such a powerful film. It incorporates indigenous people from many parts of Turtle Island and all over, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows very much powerful solidarity within our community. Mm-hmm. Um, Eagle and the Condor, awesome. Shout out Res Dogs. People. Yeah, I was about to say shout out Res Dogs. <laughs> the Pharaoh. My, yes. yeah. We love him. Yeah, we yeah love such him. a good show. Oh my God. Yeah, watch Reservation Dogs. It's a good comedy TV show that is on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, it's basically just a show about reservation kids, um, you know, honestly, just trying to make it out, mm-hmm. you know, and it it's hilarious. There's a lot of dark humor, too. There's a lot of, um, honestly, a lot of realness to it, too. There's, like, a, a really good extent of realness that shows the kind of stuff that, you know, just Native kids on the res kind of go through and the things that, you know, we have to endure. But also, like, you know, laughter is also medicine. That's something our people always say is laughing. You know, laughter is medicine. So, you know, it's definitely kind of like a like a coping mechanism or maybe not exactly a coping mechanism, but definitely something that yeah it is medicine i was just talking about so. that with my on a off note my sister and i were just reflecting on just this insanity going on in ukraine right now and talking about just like how there's a lot of humor on like tiktok and stuff and I, we were just talking about exactly that like people when they're traumatized like we have to laugh about it to like release it in a way yeah. it's also still very dark but it's like yeah. it's like how do we like lighten the situation but i think reservation dogs does a great it, job exactly. at like tying that together exactly mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. that's yeah. exactly what that is amazing well i love you so much i'm so grateful for you thank you for being here of course yes. thank, you. thank you for having me on i'm Yay. really really happy we're able to do this me too All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. And of course, everything we chatted about is linked in the description below. A couple more things on Maya. And if you go to HelenDenham.com, you'll find links to work with me if you're feeling called. I have a one-on-one mentorship program, a course called Cultivating Confidence, an eight-module self-mastery course. And there are lots of blog posts up for you. There's a link to sign up for my Self-Care Sunday newsletter, which goes out every week. I love doing that with you guys. And I also teach meditation on Sundays with Unplugged Meditation and The Den. So looking forward to connecting with you. Again, I'm on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore and at The Lifted Podcast. Talk to you soon. Episodes drop on Wednesdays. I love you so much. Sending blessings. Bye for now.